This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone. And here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons. And I believe this should stop. And hence I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. First, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Ilya Zellenking, CEO of BitScout. What I did, I wrote any crazy stupid ideas that I had in my head for six months in a notebook, five ideas per day, anything crazy, anything that comes to mind. And eventually, what happened, you start noticing patterns and you start noticing things, how they're connected. And that's then, and I came up with the problem and it was a combination, a sequence of problems. So number one is I noticed because I was building solutions to help deliver teams run projects faster. And I noticed that we couldn't breach a certain kind of project waste percentage. So we always were losing around 30% of project times on some stupid things. This is Ilya. He's passionate about technology changing the world, excited to build Star Trek-alike futures and solving problems that matter. What gets him out of bed every morning is his passion to help people become happier doing their work. The thought that 83% of people who go to work today are disengaged makes him triple his efforts. BitScout was founded to free people up to do creative and meaningful work and with that, bring back passion and satisfaction to the job. Their mission? is to give us the affordable tools to make that happen now. And that inspired me, and hence I invited Ilya to my podcast. We explore what's broken in managing projects within small companies, and why we should not accept the waste that goes on with that. Ilya shares his vision about how to make the most advanced technology affordable, and the journey he is on to turn his intelligence platform into an expert platform that could not only forecast your work, but actually check it later on as well. Besides that, we also dig into his first principles to create solutions that create a pool from users, i.e. a desire for more. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, that the ability to invent something is a skill, a muscle that you can train. Secondly, that the best roadmap choices start with minimum viable experiments. Thirdly, how to optimize your pricing strategy so it incentivizes desired behavior. And fourthly, that it takes the same amount of effort to do something great. So why settle for something mediocre? Hi, Ilya. 
Thank you for making the time available today and being guest on my podcast. Thanks a lot, Don. I'm happy to be here. It's a story that I got impressed with your story. Let's put it that way when we spoke on Lunch Club. That's where we realized, wait a minute, this could be a very interesting storyline yeah. to share with the listeners of this podcast. It's not a good example of yeah, the value that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And that's exactly the purpose of the whole podcast. But before mm-hmm. we start, just a little bit about you. If you would have to describe yourself as an entrepreneur, what words would you use mm-hmm. to characterize yourself? That's a very interesting question. So probably I would use the words resilience, perseverance. Probably I would use the word impatience. And probably I would use the word zero to one basically two words, but that's kind of, I explain it to myself. Do you want me to unpack those? Yeah, please do. Okay, sure. Would be happy to. So I would start with the last one, zero to one. I think there are many ideas and many things you can start a company and solve certain problems, but I am only interested in the problems that in my worldview change humanity for better. Okay, so let's put it like that. I'm not solving humanity problems. Secondly is impatience. So like I'm never satisfied with, I want to do better. Every time I do great and I think I did great and I have feedback that I did great, I want to do better next time. And that is never ending. I'm never going to be satisfied ever. And the last thing is perseverance. Every single moment I want to quit. Every single moment, every minute, every five minutes. This like kind of thought is always there. True. It requires a strong will in order to live up to that because it's so much easier to just yeah. be comfortable yes. and be like and... anybody else in that case. I like that. I like that. And I like how you unpacked it as well because they are super relevant. And I think there's lessons to learn from the way you approach this. And I think it will inspire people listening to this podcast already in the first minute. So <laughs> let's make that bridge then to your software, to your company, BitScout, particularly around what is that big problem that you saw that well, was screaming to get solved, but is also going to help change humanity for the better? <laughs> it was not a, you know, like a lightning in my head. That, that's the problem I'm going to solve. No, it was an accumulation of things. And it always happens yeah. like that. The only difference that I had compared, like I always believe that inventing something is not a natural kind of trick. It's a skill. It's a muscle. So I trained this muscle for many years. And the training was very simple. And everybody can do that. Anybody who says, I can't invent things, no, you can. It's very easy. You just don't have a muscle to do that. So if you can't do 10 pull-ups, it's not because you are not naturally cannot do that. You can. Everybody can. You just don't do it. You don't have a muscle to pull your body out. That's it. So you train this muscle. And we think about our brain. is like, you cannot train it. Yes, you can. So what I did, I wrote any crazy, stupid ideas that I had in my head for six months in a notebook, five ideas per day, anything crazy, anything that comes to mind, you know, drone delivering pizzas into my block of apartment, boom, you have one idea. Do not unpack this idea, whether it works or not. It's just like, oh, it's very interesting. Let's write it down. And everything, and I have like pages and pages, pages on those things. And eventually... What happened, you start noticing patterns and you start noticing things, how they're connected. And that's then, and I came up with the problem and it was a combination, a sequence of problems. So number one is I noticed because I was building solutions for, to help deliver teams run projects faster. 
And I noticed that we couldn't bridge a certain kind of project waste percentage. So we always were losing around 30% of the project times on some stupid things. And when I start analyzing those activities where we lost this time, I noticed that they're different compared to other things that we could automate. And the difference was that they always were a little bit unstructured. And I realized the problem was that the solutions are expensive. Yeah. So like you can solve it. You can build your own AI. You can try to find somebody to build AI for because you're not going to solve it with people. It's, people will be not happy and leave. And I realized all the intelligent solutions are very expensive. And to process that activity, you need a little bit of intelligence. So for humans, it's very easy. You can spot anything into email, and that's why you read emails. But for machines, it's very difficult. And the ones who can, very expensive. And I thought, okay, that's a very interesting problem to think about. I couldn't understand why they're expensive. And then I realized, I found the secret why they're expensive. Is it's very easy to build an expensive machine. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult to build an intelligent, a smart enough, affordable, and like ready-made plug-and-play solution. It's very difficult. So nobody did that. And I thought, okay, let me try to do that. I start working on that and thinking about that and trying things. And I realized, yeah, it can be done because there is just the same amount of innovation, the same amount of effort you put into that. What happened is that what I did, I took AI and democratized it and made it yeah. no code, no training, like, and converted this into a business function. So people, they don't need to understand how it works. They just need to come and automate those things in a simple manner. So yeah. why do I think it's changing the humanity? Okay. So 95% of GDP is delivered by small companies. And any small company, any small company, do not have the capability to use the state of that technology, which is AI and machine learning that is available for enterprise because they can't hire a guy to explain it to them. They can hire a consultant. But to make this step from, you know, running a business of, you know, doing some high profile plumbing or installing power supply cabinets or air conditioners and going into AI, it's like a major step. Yeah, true. Okay. What we want to achieve is democratization of it. So anybody like my mom, if she wants to do something, she can use it, okay? Yeah. Because she won't see in, like a precision and recall statistics of her trained model. No, she's just like, you know, I need to know. It, it, it does what, the job for of... me. Now, let me go back to what I've heard here. You know, it's like the mm -hmm. big problem at the end is that the world is sort of driven by projects and mm -hmm. we lose so much time and effort of people because of doing uh, repetitive non-value-adding task, I would, I would like to call it. So there's always waste and the waste should be prevented. I like that. When I was still working at Unit 4, I did some research on that as well. At the end, you know, there's also with regards to delivering projects, there's, not, there's even not enough, kind of, enough resources in the world to deliver all the work that needs to be done service-wise. So we have to get some help from machines. This is where yes, that comes yes. in. But I completely agree with you that for the, the bulk of these organizations that deliver those projects, these tools are kind of, they can't, they're not approaching, how do you say that? They're not affordable enough, not accessible enough. And yes. as a consequence, they just keep doing, keep having the waste. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because for some reason, we still think that that's how work looks like. 
Yeah. And sometimes I had tough times explaining like what exactly do we help with. And I always make the example of Tony Stark in Iron Man movie. So if you go watch, especially second part when he was inventing a new chemical element, it's a very interesting illustration of how in world of Marvel comics or Tony Stark, the computer works. We are fascinated with his AI Jarvis, but think about the function that it serves. So it just helps Tony make decisions faster. Because, for example, imagine he has to open the database, try to, using his mouse, move different components between each other. He would probably have one, two iterations a week of combination of molecules and etc. to build a new element. But he just gives a direction for a machine and machine gets all the, you know, dirty stuff calculated. Tony can do that as well because he wouldn't give a direction that is feasible if he wouldn't know that how to do that. But the point is, and that is the service of the machine and should be to us. And the reason why Tony Stark is a brilliant inventor and a billionaire and etc. You can also think we can always shift it and the way he manages the machine and how they help him is the reason why he is so good. Because he does not spend time, you know, opening a file, going there, trying to think. No, he just sets the thought and gets the calculative machinery done for him fast. And that's the same thing we should think about AI because AI is a tool to help you do stuff faster. It will not replace you. Like, for example, you with this podcast will finish the podcast. You will probably convert it into transcription. Then you'll probably have to think about what chunks you should put on the website and, you know, make a summary. And so, like, machines can do that today. Maybe not at the quality level that you do, but what would be helpful for you if they will generate a first, you know, page and then you choose from that page. Exactly. That would save you. And what's the... Yes, and that would also give you a possibility in those hours that you saved, spend it with your family or get another podcast. That's true. So that is kind of, I try to. We yeah, try that's, to that's always super powerful. So you started this company September 2020. So that's not even yeah. too long ago at the end. So how do you go? Have you gone about it? How has the journey been? Because you're entering a space, of course, there are so many different options. So many different companies already on the market that do (laughs) slices of this. So what were the choices that you deliberately made in order to get where you wanted to go fast? So what happens is there is a niche, not a niche, there is a kind of a time frame of any company where we fit perfectly. And this time frame is when you started to use first tools to manage your projects and project is a unit of progress of business. Okay, that's how we do things. So you started already using project management tools, and then you started to use some automation tools because you know stuff is here and there, it's in Gmail or in some folders, and you need to move around. But then there is like a gap because the next best thing for you to work faster is basically hiring not super qualified, but an intern or virtual assistant to deal with all these tasks that happen that are not re- cannot be automated by yeah. a simple tool because they need a human intelligence a little bit. And this is where we fit. And we understand that our customers bypass this stuff. So they, they, they enter this stage and they grow, grow, grow. And then they move to another stage where it makes sense to buy something more sophisticated. 
Yeah. Okay, so of course, they, they just move forward. And at some point of time, they say, okay, that's a business critical. So we're going to buy some major fund. Yes, but we help them on that path. And what happens is there is a choice that we made that we are part of a project tool. We're a plugin to project tools. That was a very important decision yeah. because we stay where you work. Okay. Any tool that you want to use, there is a switching cost. Okay. Yeah. So because we stay where you work, we know how you work. Okay. So even though like we start from small things, extracting stuff from emails or documents, but then what happens is like we can predict work. You can, some clients use our system to predict an effort for a task. Why? Because we know how exactly your tasks look like and we know yeah. that. And that's where we're going to go. We're not going to compete with UiPath or with business process management system like yeah. Tonkin, like Brighter. No. What we're going to do is we're going to become from intelligence platform to expertise platform. Because the more you use us in our work, the more intelligent we become about your work. And then what happens is not only we can help you forecast your work in future, we can later on check it. Let me make a small interruption here. Ilya just made a critical remark about the essence of what they are aiming for. Not to make existing tools better, but to transform from an intelligence platform into an expert platform that is going to augment the impact people can make in an organization, complementing them where it matters most. And with this, they are creating new value possibilities and aiming to be different, not just better. And these are traits that remarkable software companies master. You can master these traits as well. How? Simply read my book, The Remarkable Effect. And for that, go to valueinspiration.com and grab the free Kindle version of my book from my website. Back to the interview. Okay, a little bit later, but we can also check the deliverable, which is extremely important. And yeah. that's what we, we want to see. We don't want to be like, the, we want to be expertise from intelligence to expertise as a platform. And I think everyone is afraid because it looks like you cannot capture domain expertise. Not all, but there are lots of things we can capture. Still. Exactly. Yeah, this is exactly why I started this podcast in the first place. You know, not to automate people out of a job, but actually to help people to become better. This is exactly that point where once you start using particular tools and they start to understand who you are and how you work and what the goal really is all about that it then start to help you to do that better, to do it faster, to do it with more quality. Yes. And that's exactly to get from the intelligence part to become your, well, an, expert, an expertise platform. Yes, also like because... your point about that you stay where the user is, you know, that switching cost is an incredible big one because, I mean, the moment you hear about a great solution that you possibly want to have, but you also hear that you have to move from where you are today, that is often a far bigger hurdle than the opportunity to get something better. Yeah, maybe just to give you a little bit jump into the future. So, so not only we learn, like we give our clients the tools to capture their expertise as well and then to monetize it. Just a simple example. So imagine you have somebody deploying the power supply equipment for charging stations, okay? There is a certain process how you do that and there is a certain way you install that. And you have your team, they go and so or they install, you know, antennas for telco. So the moment you start capturing this in, in photo or video format, you basically start collecting how your people work. 
in, in the beginning, it won't make a huge difference for you. Like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. You just have a history. Like, whatever happens, you can always go back. But what happens is this is what machines love. <laughs> machines love when something is digitally captured. And after two, three months, you'll have enough information to tell the difference between an average job and a good job. You won't say to which extent it's, but you will be able to do that. Some cable yeah. is not plugged correctly. Something is not done. Screws are not. So this information you'll be able to analyze. And what happens is it turns out to be very valuable asset because now yeah. this piece of software, a model, your model, not our, we don't own it. You own your data. So this model is very interesting for a very large company that won a contract for mass installation in another region. Because yeah. then it allows them to automatically check the quality now using your model. So yeah, now, true. eventually, from the way you work, you generated a new revenue source. And that's very important. The investment in this is always a win-win because even if you might not generate this revenue source, you're still going to have historical data to teach the next guy. Exactly. To bring many new, new people in, you have evidence of, pres- of what's, what's pres- best. And then imagine in five years, a startup arises and they say, we need 1,000 photos and you can create an augmented reality application for any mobile phone that will tell you what to do. Okay? So like now, all of a sudden, all the information that you have collected can now be used in making your work faster. And you can hire less skilled personnel, but with very skilled application yeah, sure. in his yeah. hands to drive it. So now exactly. you, these are, or you can train the guy without going with an expert because experts, they hate to do babysitting. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't really love like that. That makes you think of, I mean, I had these discussions at Unit 4. I mean, Unit 4 is in the service space and we had a lot of companies in the engineering sector that, of course, were delivering large projects, sometimes a roundabout, sometimes a big harbor. Mm-hmm. And we were always focusing on the administrative side and to make the administrative load less. The ideas we had at that point in time is actually like kind of building on what you're just talking about, which is not to increase utilization and to lower cost of and lower waste in the project, but actually to deliver projects with more success. Yes. That is something that is a super win. Because... Yeah, That is helping you with brand value and the perception from customers. You will start to attract more customers because the word gets around that when you deliver it with those guys, it will be good. What has been the hardest nut to crack here? Mm, so the hardest thing is that to realize that you need to start with the niche and very, very focused use case. And the reason for that is, so here I am with you, right? I just like laid out for you such an interesting vision. Okay. I hope in it that it's interesting. Okay. At least it's kind of exciting. Okay. So, and I have this vision, right? Okay. So you can't go and just sell it. It's cool to listen to punch different ideas around that. But people are focused on like, I have that problem. Okay, fine. That's cool. But I have that problem. So like I have contracts coming in. And now my guy sits down and gets like a car name, a car model, and a contract value from that contract into a project. And that sucks. Yeah. Like he hates to do that. So what can you do? And that is called a niche down. So right now we are absolutely focused on one simple use case. We extract data from anything incoming into a task. Okay. So 
it looks like if you just go to our website and read, okay, so this guy's an extraction tool. Yes, right now we are an extraction tool because we want to be to help at that particular pain point for that particular audience. And we want to do that because that's how you get your engine rolling, rolling, rolling faster. And it's very difficult because as I said in the beginning, I want to go to move humans from like one level to a little bit yeah, better yeah. level. And then like I come and say, okay, we extract stuff from PDFs. And like, yeah, like, <laughs> that's not moving people out. I know, but that's where you start to do. I had a challenge to do 100 pull-ups. The 100 pull-ups start from one. The first, maybe 50, are so difficult that whenever you say, I'm going to do 100 pull-ups, everyone laughs. And that creates tension and pressure. And that is where you break. Because you see, whenever I talk, I see future ahead. I can talk about that future. But when there is an operational decisions to be made, I need to see what's today. And that's the first that's pull-up I need to make. And until I'm satisfied that I did one, I do the second. And that's how I think about that. And that's very difficult. Because when you did 25, it's very easy to start. But when you are on pull-up number 27, to move from that to 54, you're still far away. And you're still that's true. like... Yeah. This is where you have to build it up in that indeed bit by bit. And at some point, the total vision will come alive and start to kind of work on. So how do you make these decisions product strategy wise in terms of what your customer is asking for versus deciding, is this going to be the right thing to do as first step on that vision or the second step or the third step? Because I mean, I also realized that in the startup life at the end, you know, the long term is the vision. The short term is the runway. So the money needs to come in. And sometimes customers derail you. So how do you deal with that? So first of all, I'm pretty comfortable saying no to the customer yeah. <laughs> because I explain why. And many customers say, yeah, well, we don't agree with you. And that's okay. That's okay. I understand. Good yet, point. But this is my thinking. And the customer and humans, they have a natural, how can I say, crap detector. So if you say crap, they detect it right now. They don't understand it, but they do. But when I lay out them, that's a no because, and then I explain why, and they see my logic. And if you lay out in, you know, simple terms, they understand. And I don't really like, I have like a lot of experience dealing with lots of customer frustrations from tech support, etc. I'm pretty comfortable of explaining that. And that's okay if they can be start emotionally right now. If you build something valuable for them, they're not going to jump ship. So second is, I don't know all the answers, so I look for help. Like, if I would give you one advice to any entrepreneur listening to us or thinking to become an entrepreneur, get coaching, okay? You don't know. (laughs) You don't. Like, whatever you think you know, you don't. So get help and get coaching. I do that. I am in one of the coaching programs, and I have absolutely no all of the answers to all the questions. True. If I don't, I just go and ask for help. That's it. And second is the decision-making on the roadmap is based on data. If you don't have data, you build an experiment that gives you that data. So the best source for that is a Netflix technology blog. You go there and you read how they do A-B testing. That's like a Bible in our team. Why? Because it removes biases. It removes yeah, all these discussions, uh, all the hunches. They are experiments. If I have a hunch, okay, let's do that. 
And there is always a minimal viable experiment you can run. Sure. And I always the question to the team, and whenever I have doubts, like what's the minimum viable experiment you want to run on that? I'm not going to discuss if it's a good or bad idea. Like that, I'm not, maybe some tactical points of the product, I don't know. Like what did you do to test it? And that yeah. immediately removes all the, you know, opinion-based decisions and very helpful. It's a super important thing that you're saying there. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise every idea at the end seems like, I mean, there's always an argument or a story why you should yeah. do it. Yeah. Yes. And ideally yeah. you should have kind of counter it to something else that you're doing with one thing you have to drop at the end, you know, that's how it also works. That is okay because that's what the data tells you. Maybe it tells you now, maybe this idea will come later. It doesn't mean we reject it. Okay. It means that this is not the priority at that current sprint. So the good rule is you have to release it every X weeks or we release every five days. So you have to release it. And that's what the discussion is about. The discussion is not whether you're good or bad. The discussion is we have five days ahead and what we're going to release that will make the life of the customer better and our business more sustainable and the platform more stable. That is the question. Yeah. And yeah. using data to answer this question is the only way forward. So how do you measure success then? I mean, what is it that makes you decide, okay, this is remarkable, or this is something that the customers are, yeah, it's exactly solving the problem in a way that makes sense to them. What we need to see is the constant rise of transactions, of automation executions. So if it's constantly growing, then it's stable. They're always using that. And if it starts to go down, then something is wrong. We need to interfere. Well, we need to see what's going on. And this is where... I think this is how we measure it. So we measure it of the usage and the business model, the pricing is tied to that. We thought a lot about pricing. For example, should we price per seat or per something else or per project? You should, when you think about pricing, you should think about motivation and incentivization of the behavior. It's like, what behavior do you incentivize? So we incentivize use more, more. Okay, automate more, get more time for whatever meaningful work you want to do. So we cannot charge per user. I don't really care how many users. What I care exactly. about, how many automations you run per hour, per day, per week. That is the important matter. That is true. I mean, I've been responsible for strategic pricing as well in my previous job. And I mean, user pricing mm-hmm. is at the end something that is maybe the easiest kind of concept that is being used. But it doesn't help the vendor and it doesn't help the customers. The question is, why are we yes. doing it in the first place? So the vendors, there are two things that I'm very strict in product development on these two topics. So first of all, do not interfere with the user work. Okay, so like many times I create an account and a platform and basically in five minutes I get punched into the face with the, can you give us what you think? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's only been five minutes. Yeah, true. Okay, or just fill in this survey. Do that, like, guys, chill. I am still thinking about the platforms. That is no no in our thing. We need to find other ways to figure this out. Less invasive. And that is very difficult. And second is, in many cases, you think that you have users and you see that they use them, but you don't really understand whether you are valuable because there is a champion in a large company that said, okay, we budgeted 100 users, so we need to find those 100 users and force them to use that tool because you paid for it. Yeah, yeah, true. So That's not how it works. And yes, and this is what Slack broke. Everyone just like, Slack broke this thing. 
Okay, yeah. what they did is, okay, we go buy smaller teams. And that's what I also want to do. I go with the smaller team. I don't want to sell to large account and then they shovel my solution into throat of, of the users. No, I want users to pull stuff from us. That yeah. is a different approach to how you make decisions. In it's the grassroots approach. If the users get crazy about it, they will demand more and then it will start to... Yeah, to spread like an oil, how do you say that? An oil yes. leak. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this yeah. is an interesting combination of we are B2B, but we use techniques that are used for business to consumer. Because All right, so small how, teams, can you give an example of that? Well, for example, marketing is totally different. Okay, we don't go after you know these large events. Okay. Because in these large events is basically C level, but that's not the C level. So we go to a forum. And in this forum, there is a subgroup and we go to that subgroup and we talk there because that's where people discuss the issues, okay? Because the C-level C executive will probably understand the problems, but he would not have an immediate operational feedback how valuable the solution is. But if I show it to a guy who writes contracts every day and he can immediately recognize it, I need to make my product be so simple for him to use so he doesn't have to go through all the steps. And that's... Like sure. the whole feature set and the pricing, the logistics around that setup, marketing as well. Okay. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to get to sea level, like Slack did. But the tactics are different in the beginning. Yeah, that's an interesting approach in itself. Yeah. And then make it easy yeah. for them to adopt. Yeah, like I said, grow with grassroots. What makes me think how we started, you know, kind of how your characteristics resilience, perseverance, impatience, really working on interesting problems that can change humanity for the better, the zero to one type approach. Mm -hmm. In doing so, in creating companies that yeah, deliver that, what do you believe are the secrets that you need to have in order to create something remarkable that has a lasting impact? That's a very difficult one. It's like, so first of all, if you're very good at selecting a problem to work on, okay, let me rephrase it. So, <laughs> and that is like the thing that I learned and I written down. I will try to phrase it in proper English, sorry. It's like, it takes the same amount of effort to do something great and then to do something average. So it absolutely takes the same amount of effort, money, you know, the same. So it doesn't make any sense to focus on something mediocre, okay? If you choose the ideas. Yeah, true. So what is great for everyone? What is, for me, something great is different than it is for you, Tom. So for yeah. you, it can be one dimension of great. I have a different dimension of great. And that is okay until we all clear that I have no right to decide what is great for other people. And then when I see what is great for me, like that's what I want to get. That is the solution I see like for myself. There is a data-based approach to test this, if mm -hmm. you are delusional or not. Because I can think, like everybody can think, okay, I want to sit on a ship and fly to Mars and have a weekend there. That's a great thing to do, but let's be straight. <laughs> let's be straight. And then it's not very easy to achieve. However, if we think about that one guy just did that, okay, he had lots of money, but he did that. Why can't the whole nation do that? If we think the whole nation is focused on that task, we can achieve that. If the yeah. continent is focused on that task, we can achieve that. If the whole humanity is focused on that task, we can achieve that. So what stops us from thinking in this direction? The daily crap. 
True. Okay. So how do we solve that? And then you start debunking those step by step and until you reach some foundational problem and you say, okay, I hate this and that's I'm going to solve now because that's what I can do now. And exactly. maybe that will push everyone on next ladder. Maybe. Yeah. You don't know. I yeah. don't know that. But no, no, I but you, you're completely right. And I like that you bring that up, that it takes the same amount of effort or resources or money to create something great or remarkable. Exactly. It's the, because, it's of the course, there's no one that says, okay, I'm going to create something average or mediocre. What I hear a lot of companies say at the end is maybe not the same, but they phrase it differently. It's good enough. It does the thing. Yeah. The question is at the end, how far you'll get with that. And the other thing that I hear two little companies indeed kind of start from is, okay, so what would be remarkable? And test that and check that out. And I also like your point about that it's impossible to understand what is great or is remarkable for everyone, but it is really possible to understand what's great or remarkable for someone. And that's again going back to the niche approach and then yes. finding, well, doing it to help one person make a difference. And then you likely find a lot more that are like them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I will give you one example that I read from Elon Musk. So when he was selling SpaceX, like raising funds for SpaceX, he said, okay, the rockets will come back. And everyone was like, well, shit, you're crazy. But his test was, okay, we're going to make for your money, like if you invest, I don't know, 50 million, we make the rocket jump. Because that's the first test. You cannot say, okay, let's build a rocket that will come back. There are so many I know. So he said, if we make a rocket, like, you know, fly a little bit, like maybe 50 centimeters and then go back. That's a yeah. proof that it can be yeah. done. So sure. all the mechanics are there, yeah. but it doesn't cost the whole rocket. So whenever I think I want to travel to Mars, like what's the first problem that I have to solve? And you solve that problem first. You yeah. still want to fly there. And that's the North metric. Because then if you want to fly to Mars, the only way you debunk everything and deconstruct it to a first problem is only when you want to fly to Mars. You can't come up with that thinking, oh, I want an ice cream and that's why I want to solve the problem of human breathing underwater. Like, that's not how it works. And he said, I want rockets to come back. Okay? Yeah. And from that point, he got to the point when the rockets has to jump. Same thing with everyone. It's like, I want to go there. That's what I want to build. And that's what the investors and everyone is calling a niche. It's not that you made a simple thing. You just make a first experiment that proves your point. Yeah. Like the challenge is to find it and it's always difficult, but yeah. That's about understanding and having, well, that's about curiosity. That's about asking the right type of questions, etc. This should be in school for children. Exactly. Yeah. That's never been taught, but it's a, such an important skill to grow a muscle to grow in there, like you're saying. So from all the lessons that you've learned now being the CEO of the company, making your big idea a reality, what would you advise other CEOs that are possibly or well, maybe already busy for a while or actually maybe people that aspire doing something similar? Mm -hmm. What does it do and what does it don't that you would advise them? Okay, so I would write a book. <laughs> you probably have lots of books about that. And I would probably write my own <laughs> if I would. So number one is I would immediately say get coaches. <laughs> like find a good one. Anyway, just make sure that you have a kind of like safety net where you can ask a question. I can't express how I was disappointed that I thought that I knew a lot. And when I made an effort to learn something and start, because I'm CEO and I'm whatever, I, I know stuff. 
but I still doubted myself and I went to coach and it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing, like get coach, get help. You will find it. Secondly is, so like, I see that a lot. You should really focus on results. Like I have questions about, yeah, but my CTO is part-time. Like I don't need him full-time. Like why should I need him full-time? I don't have a job for him. Like I have sales and I'm working on sales. Like if I get him full time, that shows kind of commitment, but it absolutely doesn't make any sense because I will have to invent work for him. And we said, okay, don't go full time. Like it doesn't make any sense. And for many people, that's kind of, oh, he's not committed. Well, he is. He's so committed that he worked for a year on weekends for me, for nothing. So that is a kind of commitment. And it means that I'm focused on results. And he delivers results the way he thinks. That's yeah. it. Okay. Office, in office, remote, not remote. Like True. results. Where are the results? I don't care. You can send one email or 1,000 emails. That's the revenue you have to bring. That's yeah, it. True. And last thing is that about software development, that's a burning point for me. Like software development is a creative work. Just write it somewhere. Software development is creative work people who do software development they are creatives okay and then all your processes chart policies and everything that you think like running an ad agency or hollywood studio with actors and stuff that's how you run a software development because they are creatives it's a huge mistake that lots of companies make treating them as a computer resource so they think, oh, this is a front-end guy. Well, he's a programmer, so let him program my back-end stuff. Like, I don't care. It's just programming. So that is a fatal mistake people make. There is so much. You don't put right. an editor to do cinematography work. You don't put a photographer to do sound design. But for you, it's a movie. Like, he's in the movie. Like, he knows about movie stuff. So let's yeah. do sound. That's very easy. You can just replace it. Same thing. No. If you treat software development as a creative work, the way you organize it, the way you run it, the way you do that, you, the way you motivate people, the way you incentivize them, the way you build policies around it, the way you hire, the way you fire, everything becomes absolutely interesting. And then you have these three principles. Okay. And there are many more principles, but that's the principles. And maybe the last one is from Ben Horowitz. What you do is what you are. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Like you can chat whatever you want, but that's you are defined by your actions. That is like sure. a rule, golden rule. So you first of all you assume that you don't know anything, so you seek for help, and that will be very well respected in your team as well. True. Sure. Because you ask correct questions, you don't point your opinion above everything else. You just ask, like, I don't understand it, please explain it to me. And that is a very powerful technique. Second is you just software development is a creative work. <laughs> so whenever you do, and then you focus on results. Okay. And then these all four items together, they start working really well, but they're very difficult to sustain over time. Very difficult. So I always have them written in my notebook that I have here. And I always come back. Every time I change the notebook, I write them in the beginning some other things as well but that's just to remind myself yeah 
Strong. Well, great advice. Last question. What are you most proud of achieving so far with the journey that you run at the moment? I give you just a quick example. So yeah, pain is important, but I, for one client, we helped her automate validation of cleaning. So she has lots of properties and she had to check it. Okay. And we helped her. Now her teams take photos and our algorithm analyzes the photos. And if something is wrong, we inform her. So she doesn't have to look at this anymore. Yeah. And that way she could spend time with her daughter which she was six months. And that was very rewarding. Yeah, money. But when I saw that that's where actually the impact of the platform was, she doesn't have to spend the night sitting and checking because she has a high profile partner. It's not something simple. Well, she doesn't that have goes to do back that to, yeah, to lifting humanity at the end, to, to, have, well, to have a better place. Yeah, at least if you ask me, like, what was the remarkable? Well, I gave uh, this person maybe a couple of days back so she can spend with her daughter, very six-month daughter. I think that was the remarkable achievement. And then I realized, yeah. okay, we well, have something very important to do. That's the principle of the idea at the beginning there, of course. Super. So where can people go and find out more about your company, BitScout? They can go to our website, which is www.bitscout.com with BitScout with K instead of C. Yep. There is a chat there. So you can write something and I will answer. Okay. So that's always you then. Are there other ways to reach out to you to say hi? LinkedIn, for example? Yes. LinkedIn, Facebook, all the guilty ones. Uh, okay. I, very good. Services I have. Well, thank you very much, Ilya, for the story, the big idea behind your company. I like the vision that you have and the journey that you're on, the steps that you're making to create progress in a way yeah, that adds value to people. And that was the last part about, you know, people that are prepared to pay for this. And spread the news for you. I like the way you approach this from an entrepreneurial perspective. Thanks for sharing the wisdom on that. And good luck on the next part of the journey. Thanks, Tom. That was a very pleasant conversation as always. And this ends my conversation with Ilya. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ilya Zellenking, CEO of BitScout. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. 
business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.